Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodies, and welcome back to another Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? Happy early Thanksgiving. Well, that's if you're listening to this the day it comes out. So, happy Thanksgiving, happy day after Thanksgiving. You could, it, it, This could be any place in time. The beauty, the magic that of podcasts and streaming services. Anyway, I am joined today by my most reoccurring guest, one of my dearest friends, my co-host of P.S. I Love Hoffman, P.S. I Still Love Hoffman, host of his own podcast, High School Slumber Party, Brian Rodriguez. If you guys don't remember or never knew, he joined me this time last year for our Thanksgiving episodes, Friendsgiving episodes. Those were two parts. You hear us talk about those, reminisce about those. And this year he's joining me to talk Hannah and her sisters. This film about a dysfunctional family. So great time of year to watch a film about that. And, uh, you know, we're going to get into it. A film directed by Woody Allen. Controversy on notice. Totally get it. So if uh, just the thought of Woody Allen offends you, probably not the best episode to listen to. But as Brian and I, uh, I think we do, or definitely we try to do, we're separating the film, you know, the art from the artist. So I just want to get into it. Let's carve that turkey and talk some Hannah and her sisters. Again, happy, happy Thanksgiving. Stay happy and healthy, foodies. Brian, welcome back to Foodie Films. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy early Thanksgiving, technically. Early Thanksgiving, you know, uh, Thanksgiving Eve, if you will. I don't know if people sell. Well, people do celebrate that, like right when you come back from college and you want to see your friends at the local the local watering hole. But it's not really a holiday. It's more of like a, I don't know, see, see well, old friends kind of day. Yeah, and it's it's definitely not like Thanksgiving isn't a season. It becomes the Christmas season. I guess it kicks off the holiday yes, season, right? Traditionally, now people are like, oh no, Halloween does. But I'm a traditionalist. Yeah, thanks. So Thanksgiving is like the Memorial Day to summer, right? Oh, I, guess. I mean, again, now some people say Halloween is. I think that's BS. I don't put any yeah. Christmas decorations up till after Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, I I am a 
firm believer in that. I've seen via, you know, social media, just like people saying, yeah, my Christmas tree is up already. Like, what of it? And it's like, all right, like, just, you don't have to be then hostile about like Christmas spirit or holiday spirit or whatever. It's, but yeah, I guess like Thanksgiving is like the Memorial Day Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or is like the is the Fourth of July and then New 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 Year's is the uh, Labor Day of the yes, it's a shorter, it's, much shorter. It's a shorter season because like the summer you celebrate the whole thing. Like New Year's Day is just almost the beginning of the middle of winter, so it's a yes. little different. <laughs> but it's the holiday season for sure. But as your listeners probably know. If they listen to our episodes last Thanksgiving season, I love Thanksgiving. It's, it's my favorite holiday. Little muted this year, unfortunately. It's not going to be as yeah. big as usual, but it, it's my favorite holiday. And I know it's muted for everyone. I'm not saying it's just muted for me, but yeah, I mean, look, this is something we have to endure during the pandemic. I get it. Still, I'm going to eat my food and I'm going to have a good time. I'm not, that doesn't mean I'm defying COVID things. I'm not saying that. But I, I'll, if I if I have to eat my food alone, I will. What are your uh, What are your holiday plans? I mean, obviously, you and Nicole, who uh, foodies, if you haven't listened to that episode of the Hundred Foot Journey where Nicole came on, you and Nicole guested, uh, check it out. But I mean, you guys have been together for a long time. This is your second. Yeah, you were married right before the last Thanksgiving. But I mean, jumping around, how are you guys? Are you guys going to be able to do any of that, or is it just? Uh... What well, are your plans? Well, um, Nicole's actually off, which is, you know, maybe... Oh, wow, that's a that's a treat as a nurse. Yeah, but unfortunately, um, you know, we, we're not going to be seeing both sets of family. Uh, either she'll be going to hers and I'll be going to mine, or we'll just go to my uh, family's Thanksgiving. You know, they're not really advising that you go to multiple Thanksgivings, because mm-hmm. you could be spreading something. Not to, again, put a damper on things. My grandmother's very old and sick so it's definitely not wise for us to go from her house to there plus we're, we're doing thanksgiving outside supposed to be a nicer day at my grandmother's house and we're limiting it to two hours to limit the exposure um really picking uh making it safe everyone's getting tested beforehand which i suggest everyone do anyway thanksgiving could be the super spreader event that we've all been fearing not to again put a damper on your podcast but it is a <laughs> it is kind of a scary thing but yeah i mean yeah, it's i'm true, still gonna enjoy yeah. my food <laughs> yes uh food that's what's on the mind um no i i even my um so i'm just having thanksgiving with my parents sister brother-in-law and my niece uh i thought my aunt and my grandmother were coming over but they they were they kind of got um when was that i guess that was around my birthday that they came over i know i think it was even after that i don't know it was some point in the summertime that like they started getting a little more loose just in the sense of like seeing anybody you know mm-hmm. and like just not just staying at home anymore um but yeah they, they're really nervous about these spikes again so they've always they've said no to thanksgiving and then the big thing is always that grandmother we go to on christmas eve and she said she's not doing christmas eve and it just you know it it's i know my mom said like my sister was getting all emotional about it i'm like yeah it sucks but like okay you know like like whatever like yeah dark places in my mind and definitely uh with the movie that we'll be talking about i went into like you know i have woody allen thoughts of just death and i'm just like i hope this isn't my grandmother's last you know 
holidays. That would suck, you know? And I, I'm sure that's definitely, you know, obviously going to happen for some people. And that really sucks. But it's just, you still have to be careful. Of course. Um, and, and I get that sentiment. It's a popular sentiment on social media. But you don't want to be the reason for your grandmother's last holiday. No, exactly. So better would, safe than yeah. sorry when it comes to that. And what I'm, propo- yeah. I'm not the only one who's proposed this, but what I've suggested to people, not that I have mm-hmm. a forum or anything like that in high school slumber party, but uh, what I've suggested to people, um, you know, have that Thanksgiving meal once we're all vaccinated and we're all in the clear, exactly. right? Exactly. My mom said the same thing. I've said the same thing. It's a day it doesn't mean like you can have, you know, like, yeah, for some reason, yeah, we only really cook, uh, uh, you know, a, t- a whole turkey once a year on Thanksgiving, maybe on Christmas, just a turkey breast, whatever. Point being, you can you can do that meal any time of the year. You can call it Thanksgiving, you can get, and you, then you have that, that's what you're thankful for. There you go. Boom, right there. I mean, it, it, we've been given an excuse to have Thanksgiving more than once a year. Let's do it. <laughs> Exactly. You that's know, yeah. Let's do I, it. That's what I've uh, with once you know with my sister once she got married and that she would do Christmas with her in laws and then now with uh, you know dating Danielle like I mean I think between Danielle last year you know she came to my grandmother's for Christmas Eve Christmas Day um, I don't think she did anything at my parents' house I went over there for brunch and then you know my parents for dinner and then like her grandmother did like a Christmas Eve once. Uh, Danielle's sister was up from DC. It was a whole, it was like the never ending Christmas. And I was like, that's awesome because it's just more and more leftovers. And I love leftovers. So. <laughs> it's good and it's bad as uh, Nicole's comes from divorced parents. My parents are divorced later in life. Uh, but so, like, you know, there was a lot of times where we've had to do four Christmases, which sounds fun, but it's not like they're four Christmases on four separate days. It's usually, you know, yeah, <laughs> like two on each day or then. Um, you know, Thanksgiving, three Thanksgivings, and isn't there that? What's that? Is that Christmas with the Cranks or four? Or I think it's just a, called Four Christmases with Four Christmases. That, that that's the probably more obvious. One. <laughs> yeah, four, four Christmases, yeah. It's like just all on the same day or two days or what have you. It's and, emotionally uh, exhausting. Um, again, the food is great, but you don't have room for all the food, so it's depressing. Yeah. So, uh, wow, we're 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 very morbid today. I guess it's on point. <laughs> <laughs> for the film we're talking about, <laughs> yeah. So let's 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 get into it. Uh, but well, I, as you, I don't know. No, you didn't. You didn't uh, say what the episode was. So last year we did Friendsgiving. We did uh, it was a two part episode. I think that's the only time I've ever done a two part episode. And uh, we covered the first episode was seasons one through five of the Friendsgivings episodes, and then you know part two seasons six through ten. And I, I loved it, and you are a diehard Friends fan. I really love Friends as well, and I think people really enjoyed listening to it. And And we were contemplating on uh, what to do this year, because there's so many other great Friends food episodes. But I figure we, we'll do that eventually. We'll do another two-part or even... Even even more, we'll do a real countdown of the food centric episodes of Friends, and just like we're saying, those could be any, you know with Thanksgiving, they can be any time time of the year. So, you know, I I I I was trying to think, and I know we've talked this film, you know, what films are Thanksgiving related? And Hannah and her sisters is just 
is one that definitely comes to mind because there aren't that many, but it's just it's it's a great one. You couldn't have picked planes, trains, and automobiles. We would just be laughing and talking about John Candy. <laughs> that gets depressing at some points. But, it, but, I mean, I guess this has a happy ending, too. But that has a happy ending. And, and, and that's more laughs. There's laughs in here as well. But you pick the one where we have to have a deep ethical conversation. Well, there's no one I'd rather have one with, though. <laughs> oh that's boy. what I'm... Oh, boy. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for you to be there for me in that sense. Oh, shucks. Um, <laughs> so, Hannah and her sisters... Directed and written by Woody Allen. Came out in 1986. Uh, when did you first see it? You know what? Like, actually, you give me give me a little bit um, of just just even your knowledge and and love of Woody Allen films and all of that. Huh. So I am a big, I guess, you know, amateur scholar. Of Woody Allen films, it's not a popular title to have these days, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. No, and yes, uh, we 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 will mention certain things, but this is you know, guys, let's just for this we're separating, you know, the art from the artist, you, scandals, recognized everything, and they and they will come up because there's some stuff in the movie, but all of that, you know, we're not saying this is the greatest man ever, but he has made some tremendous films, and that's what we're talking about. So continue. But with Woody Allen, this is the problem with. Being a fan of his work, I have all his films on DVD. This is before, you know, I guess I didn't do my research. This is before I really knew of the scandal so much. I mean, I'd heard whispers, but everyone was celebrating this guy. They were inviting him back to the Oscars. They were giving him Oscars. So this was, you know, like during, a little bit before, but during the Midnight in Paris era, I tracked down some of his rare DVDs. I watched it all, studied it all, had a blast with it. It really inspired my writing. But obviously lately... You know, uh, more things have come to light. I don't know if they've come to light more as people decide to become aware of them again. I'm not sure. But you say separate the art from the artist. How can you really do that with someone like Woody (laughs) Allen, who makes everything so personal? It is tough. It is so tough. That that is a very good point, because while I while I rewatch this, there's um. This is a film that uh, that Danielle had never seen, and especially even like the last, the ending of the film, w- which now like any anything that Woody Allen, yeah, like any of his projects, which is obviously a majority of of them. Not I was going to say his earlier ones, but of them, uh, you know, he 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 acts in and just the way he's kissing Diane Weiss at the end. It's just like knowing. <laughs> the things that you know are coming to light it's just very creepy <laughs> just the, the noises and everything and 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 danielle really i was thinking it and not saying it and she's like oh this is ugh, this is weird <laughs> <laughs> i mean so yes it is it is uh not to go on a tangent but like I can still watch, believe it or not, Bill Cosby himself, which I think is one of the best. And I'm not alone in this. It's recognized as one of the best stand-up specials of all time. And so, yes, his work is more easy to separate from the monster. There is like a one Cosby episode where there's some oh, special God. sauce so and bad. it gets really weird. And he's like, Rudy, don't take the sauce. And it just gets... Uh, into weird territory with that specific episode, but yes, that that art from that artist easier separate this and especially this film because this is dealing with Mia Farrow. This is when they're together. I read plenty of things of just how she even felt at the time when this is going on. So yes, this is a very 
personal personal film of his uh and you know yeah so i i i get that i definitely get that so uh, just to answer your question the first time i saw it was somewhere in those you know uh moments of collecting the dvds and trying to watch all of it friend of this program for sure and co-founder of the cage club podcast network mike manzi when i first met him uh, through you, yeah. that's something we yeah. talked about a lot because we were both, you know, going through the same Woody Allen uh, catalog at the same time. Yeah, he did like that, and then he did like all the Bonds or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, I loved it at the time. I've loved it forever. I still love it, and I still think this is one of the greatest uh, films, greatest written films of all time. I'm not ashamed to say that. But when you think about how the sausage is made, it does get a little tough. It does get a little weird. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe in 100 years, in 200 years, they'll look back at the work of Woody Allen. I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing. And they'll say, wow, this is a great film. Or, you know, some of his movies are some of the greatest films of all time. They'll throw in the caveat of the person that perhaps he is. They'll, thro- they'll throw in that caveat for sure. But, like... Picasso beat his wife. I'm not forgiving it, you know, but we glorify as, Picasso. As, as did John Lennon. John Lennon. So. John Lennon. I hate to say, <laughs> you know, everyone's got skeletons in the closet. And again, that's not forgiving it. That's not forgiving. That's not excusing. Not at all. But Not at all. <sighs> but the, they, the stuff is, I mean, it comes from, I mean, great art, not all the time, comes from tortured people and I, I i don't know i you know like i don't know how it all works and what inspires and what doesn't and you know what then you should then mimic on screen or via a song like what should what should inspire obviously if it's negative things that you can control like if it's things that you grew up with that you had no control of that's one thing but if you're an adult and you have obviously willpower and everything that comes with that no then you shouldn't be doing these things that and then and then uh maybe you know turning them into uh your latest art installation i don't know but that's a lot of the subject of the film and we'll definitely get into it but i thought it was just important to say like like brian singer right probably a bad dude but you don't really see a lot of that in x-men you know it's like behind the scenes no yeah yeah you hear yeah exactly you hear like nightmare stories by actors and stuff like that. Actors is a great way to segue to my next point. These movies cannot be thrown away and forgotten because a movie is not a single medium. This is not a book here. A movie is made by so many people. Yes, it's a Woody Allen film. Yes, it has his DNA all over it. But mm-hmm. to delete a film like this or to delete his catalog would be to delete some of the greatest acting performances of all time. And I'm not exaggerating that at all. Diane Weist wins an Oscar here. You know, uh, Michael Caine, just the, Max von Sydow. Like the list goes on here and ha- their performances are just amazing. Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher is so great in this film. And... It's hard to separate, but I don't want to forget that these amazing performances exist. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a big Diane Weist fan. I'm a big fan of almost everyone in this cast. <laughs> I said this with Joe, too, on... Oh, I think it must have been when uh, 
when he and Rachel were on, which would have been for Mystic Pizza. And the the random food scene after we talked Mystic Pizza was one from Edward Scissorhands because, oh my god, I feel really bad right now. Uh, late actress, she, she passed away maybe a month ago. Um, bigger lady, she's, you know, so she's... Um, in Mystic Pizza, and then she was, I mean, oh, now, f- nowadays known as, you're, you're, oh, I feel like you're about to, Fior, right? Isn't it something Italian? The one you're, like, or Concha- Fortuna. Conchetta. Conchetta. Conchetta oh, Fortuna. Oh, I'm such an asshole. I was, I was going <laughs> to say, I, I always remember her from Mr. Deeds. Yes, Mr. Deeds, which I was like, oh, that must be a little, like, nod at Mystic Pizza, because she's a pizza maker good call good call um, and then she's yeah so she's also in edward scissorhands which diane weist is you know you know in and so i long to make a long story long i i said all that and i uh then i brought up brooklyn 99 which i believe you've watched some episodes i don't yeah, know yeah. if you've watched it uh and then so uh joe latruglio oh yeah uh, i know what you you're know, gonna he, say he become yeah he becomes a big like he's just you know eclectic and yeah he says i've got a uh a Diane yeast infection. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's just um, now to tarnish a, uh, an amazing career. Not really, but uh, uh, not, she has had an amazing career. <laughs> I, I was like, wait, I'm necessarily what? tarnishing it. But that's the first, when I hear Diane Weist, I think of, uh, his character, uh, you know, saying a Diane yeast infection. Anyway, since that was a great anecdote uh but yes all of these tremendous uh, that's that's a big thing something i said to daniela while watching it i i was like this guy as troubled as his personal life is has written some amazing roles that amazing women have been recognized for so it's this weird you know world of uh I I I don't know what exactly to to call it, but just obviously this troubled individual, um, you know, and obviously plenty will call him a sexual predator, but he writes these incredible screenplays that, and then these roles and these women just run with it, and then make you know, of course, make it their own, and then are recognized at the highest level in their by their peers. For sure, uh, I mean. If anyone watches this movie and says that was a bad movie, they don't know movies. Maybe they're not enjoying the film, but they just don't know film if they watch this movie and it's a bad movie. This is a great movie. There's no two ways around it. Yeah. One thing I just took a screenshot of um, when he was like interviewed about it. Uh, he, he said he was inspired by the title... I thought I'd like to make a film called Hannah and Her Sisters, he said, saying this prompted him to give Hannah two sisters. Because, you know, so this Hannah's very much based off of Mia Farrow, and she has sisters, and he thought, like, oh, she's so strong, and he would just love to see her have two kind of, like, sisters as her foils. Um, he was interested in making something about the relationship between sisters, which he felt was more complex than between brothers. And he said, maybe that comes from childhood. My mother had seven sisters and their children were female. So all I knew were aunts and female cousins. So that's just like the world. And at least for this film, but definitely uh, uh, other characters in his writing as well. For sure. Um, And it's something that has interested me in all like movies that I like, I love the dynamics between family and I love the dynamics between sisters. 
Um, I didn't grow up with any sisters, so it's something that was so foreign to me. But I've been, again, so interested in it. Uh, A movie we both like that does not get a lot of credit, but also explores the sister dynamic, believe it or not, is Our Idiot Brother with Paul Rudd. Oh, yes. I know it's a comedy, but this is a comedy too. And the dynamic between sisters in that movie is so great to me, and I'm so fascinated by it. And it reminded me of Hannah and her sisters, believe it or not. I think this is a very inspiring film to writers. Again, if we we can keep going back to how the sausage was made, and I totally get it, and I'm not going to dismiss anyone's point of view about that. And, And similarly, a lot of dismissals of Woody Allen recently, aside from all the you know, scary, scary stuff is that is the diversity thing. This is a white man, a rich white man writing about rich white characters. And I am the first to be at the front of the line that says that we need more diversity in Hollywood. We need more stories written and directed by women. We need more stories written and directed by black people, by Latin people, by Asian people. We need more of those stories. But I'll, I'll... Well, there were, there were no black people, Latino people, Asian people in 1986. <laughs> <laughs> One would make it seem that way, unless they're the help. But <laughs> Oh, yeah, exactly. That is, unfortunately, like the one place we see a person of color is in the, as the uh, servant in this movie. For sure. I think, yeah. But I'll go to the bat for movies like this a little bit. They still fascinate me. I love watching them. That doesn't mean I don't love watching movies you know, written by uh, people who are not rich white men. I love those too. I love all these stories. But I think, you know, this is a cream of a crop that needs to be kept. And this is such a snapshot into a segment of the population that I didn't grow up with. Sure, I grew up near New York, but I certainly didn't grow up, you know, uh, rich white in Manhattan in the 80s. Yeah, this is Upper West Side, Upper East Side, but a little both, a little both. Apartment, yeah, okay. Famously, Um, famously at the time, uh, Mia Farrow and Woody Allen lived in each other's apartments. They didn't live together all the time, across the park from each other. Then they could see each other's apartment buildings. Oh wow! I didn't know the actually could see aspect of it all. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's really interesting. Yeah, I know. I I read um, articles and trivia about this. People were saying it was just a very interesting dynamic on set because I, you know, I think the the apartment was Mia Farrow's, yes. and so you know, and we see four of her, like her four children at the time, or however many she had, like they're in the film. Um, you know, we actually see the uh, the child that will be Woody Allen's wife someday in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and but just the fact that they'd be prepping a scene in one room. And then she'd be helping the kids with homework or co- cooking for them and then put down the pencil, put down the, you know, the, the spoon and, and just hop into a scene and then just start acting. Like it was just a very unique atmosphere in that sense. For, for um, sure. I mean, it's, yeah. but it's not uncommon in this streak he has here with Mia Farrow. It's a weird streak in light of what's happening today, but some of his greatest work comes from it. I don't want to say some of his greatest work. Let's be honest. Some of their greatest work. Like she almost deserves, you know, equal credit in creating some of these things. And that's that's what I want people to leave here with. Like we can call this a Woody Allen film all we want. And of course he takes all the credit for it, I'm sure. But all these films are collaborations. He is famously a director who 
only gives the portion of the script that you're in to the actor, so you don't really know what's yes. happening in the rest of the movie. That's one big thing. And two, you could pretty much take the script how you want when you're on set. That doesn't mean you could be like, oh, and then there's a spaceship outside or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, he he's someone, he, he directs very little... Like to the actors on set, he he's someone that who has said, no, like I I trust you, go with it. Like I I casted you. He's casting people because he's seen their work and he knows that they will like he trusts them with his words. And obviously, they'll yeah they'll they'll bring their own you know their their own thing to it. For sure. And I think that's, again, so important to remember that these this is a collaborative effort here. It's a living, breathing thing. And that's what makes his movies, to me, so interesting. Because sometimes they are crappy because of the people he casted. And not necessarily because they're bad actors, but not everyone can respond positively to this kind of directing. Some people need strong direction. And he is not oh, a strong yeah. director. He's not. Yeah. I mean, again, in terms of, like you said, on set with actors explaining his vision, you know, he he might correct you here or there. But, you know, there's famous stories of him just like they're like, oh, you know, you were in a Woody Allen film. It's like, yeah, but he only uh, said four words to me the entire time, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I I was listening to a great uh, episode of WTF. And J.K. Simmons was the guest, and he was saying how uh, when he worked with like the Cohen brothers, they won't come up to you and after a take and be like, "Oh man, that was great. Okay, yeah, you really landed like that part." Like they're just like, "Okay, good. Okay, next shot. Let's move on." You know, and he's just like, he's worked then with other actors that are like, um, "Wait, like, do, do you think that like they're not happy with my work right now?" It's just such a and I'm sure it's really instilled into some actors through casting. I can't, I would never be able to be an actor for the casting, you know, portion of that world alone. Um, in just, even if it was the best casting, I'm not saying in realms where producers and directors are abusing their powers. I'm just saying just, you know, I mean, majority of the time you're getting a no, you know, on a project you're saying like, Oh great. But no, thank you. Maybe the next thing, uh, that's majority of the (laughs) response you'll hear. So as far as insecurities go, I can't imagine how much that just builds up over the years. And if you don't, if you work with a bunch of directors that are very affirming and then you get someone that's just like down to business and knows exactly what they want from the scene and you gave it to them. And so they're just going to move on versus being like, great job, JK. Like that was amazing. For sure. I mean, it's so, it's so interesting. I mean, you and I have never been like on the day to day of a huge Hollywood movie or Hollywood set. But imagine being an actor and going from a director who's like, so hands-on with the words and the dialogue or even like Mm. a a marvel film where yes obviously you got to say what's on the page but it's also like not only do you have to think about what's happening in this film but in 20 films you know oh yeah and i'm sure also like the directors of those films are just like nerding out over everything so they're having great conversations in that sense you know yeah but this is just again so different and (laughs) I'll say this, you know, speaking of Marvel, I think that films like this are not made anymore. They're not popular anymore because we, and I love Marvel films, you know that, but there's something we want in our 
in our entertainment, and it's not this. Like, you watch this film, and I again, I love this film, but you watch it, and I'm not sitting here like, oh my god, my experience right now is amazing. I'm cringing. I feel yes. weird. But that's, to me, that's good art, because it's making you feel things that, I'm not going to say you normally don't feel, maybe it's things you feel every day. But the insecurity in this film, especially... This is called Hannah and Her Sisters, and yes, uh, at its core, it is about these three sisters and uh, and about women, but it is so much about the insecurity of men, the bullshit of men, the rationalizing of men, that... Oh, there's so much. I feel like I've asked you this before. What is it called? Is it called gaslighting? Yeah, yeah, gaslighting, yeah. Yeah, okay. Like, there's so much of that going on by Michael Caine in this movie, it's ridiculous. Absolutely, absolutely. That I think an astute viewer of this doesn't see Woody Allen, like, this is my take and this is what I believe. It sees Woody Allen saying, and the actors themselves, talking about how much full of shit they all are. Um, Famously, Woody Allen, he always makes like one or two comments about his films, and I, I have a really good Woody Allen companion book. And it always has like how he summed up each film. And he said, Hannah and her sisters is a film. I feel I screwed up very badly, but, but people who like me chose to like my work. So like, he wasn't happy with this final product. (laughs) I think it's a great film. Um, He was actually, and you know, I know we'll talk about some scenes and we'll talk about some stuff, but he was actually very upset that this ended so happily. He thought he kind of chickened out because then a lot of his films don't end so happy. But ultimately, what he wanted to show that, again, I don't know if everyone got, I totally got it this time, but I don't know if everyone got, he wanted to show that, yes, it's a happy ending, but it's only happy because they're rationalizing it. Yeah, they're rationalizing it, and it's also, it's a happy ending because that's where they're choosing to end the story. I, I guess. Like, I, 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 I guess, but I, let's take the Michael Caine character really quickly. And we don't, I don't want to go through the whole thing, obviously, but he gets back together with Hannah, essentially, or maybe she never, she never, she never finds out of his, but they reconcile. No, no, they don't. So sorry, I should say it more. They reconcile the fighting that's been happening, you know, because things were obviously not good. And he sees um, Barbara Hershey's character, Lee, Lee, Mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, her new husband, and he's like, oh, marriage suits her just as well. I got back together with Hannah. It's all well and good. But you know deep down, like, if she was still pursuing him and into him and, you know, oh yeah, if things would have worked out, he would have gone with her, too. He can't pretend he's a hero here. He's just someone who didn't get caught, which, again, is eerie when you think about Woody Allen's life. But <laughs> that aside... Um, so yes, in a sense, that's where they happen to end it, but I don't know if they're all, some of them are genuinely happy, yes, but when we talk about the parents, right, like, they're happy in that moment, but in an hour they could be at each other's throats again, like, we just don't know, so, I mean. Yeah, yeah, that scene hit me harder, uh, this time than ever before, and, and more than other scenes when, uh, when Hannah goes over to her parents and, uh. You know, and her mom in this movie is played by her real mom, Maureen O'Sullivan. So that's really uh, fascinating to me. And and you just wonder, and you know, once learning that... So Woody Allen, practically, he does... It's, it's very meta. It's so weird. He's doing, to this movie, you know, what the movie's about, and then what Diane Weist is doing in the movie. 
with about about Hannah. He's like he's already writing about his real life, and then in the movie about his real life, he has a character writing about the you know real life of hers, which is like their real life. It's just this whole <laughs> <laughs> and, and ironically, in real life, he's probably closer to the Michael Caine character than he is to the Woody Allen. To Mickey. Yeah, to Mickey yeah. here. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned the mother, which like I'm sure you did your research, that um, that was based off Mia Farrow's parents. Because Mia Farrow's mother, who's obviously yeah. an actress, was an actress. So, because <laughs> she's in the movie. Exactly, yeah. So just this whole realm of just Mia Farrow was just like, during even the making of this movie, was just feeling just so, like, you know, cringed like by the whole thing she said she was getting like at some points like really just sickened by it i know but a lot of al- that but opinion, went along though, with it i think i know a lot of that opinion is also hindsight too yeah um, yeah exactly and, and obviously she's not gonna and nor should she say great things about woody allen i don't blame her in the slightest um because at the time her opinion was she was also reaching out to Woody Allen, like, what do you want me to do with this Hannah character? And he had no answers, because I think essentially he was just like, kind of be yourself. Um, and the sisters, her sisters were actors as well, just like they kind of are actors and artists here in the film, Mia Farrow's, that is. And there was a rumor at the time that Woody Allen had a huge crush on uh, Mia Farrow's sister. She's actually Ugh. she's actually yeah, in yeah. Manhattan. Um Ah, okay. Which is she has a small role there, but which is interesting, but weird meta. I don't know if this is cathartic or justifying it, but <laughs> it is so weird. But how 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 far are we in this podcast? About like forty minutes or so, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel shitty that I maybe we said it, maybe we didn't. But the reason we're talking about it is that it takes place over three Thanksgivings, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes so that's i wanted to that was my next big thought to kind of bring into this is sure is this this kind of falls into i don't know i've had a, a few movies one of which you've been on last temptation of christ which by the way uh has um barbara hershey oh boy barbara hershey thank you so we've covered a couple of holiday films with barbara hershey <laughs> and <laughs> And so, um, yes, there's been a few films I've covered on Foodie Films that's like, eh, are these food-centric movies? I mean, hey, at least we get Diane Weiss' character is is a caterer for a little bit in this movie. Oh, yeah, but I would, say, I, I would I, say this qualifies, Kyle. Yeah, but also, I really, I wanted to talk, as I said in the beginning, something that was more, you know, was taking place over Thanksgiving and this does like you said begins with thanksgiving ends with thanksgiving we get uh the middle thanksgiving kind of i feel like maybe in the beginning of the third act it's not right in the middle of the movie um but it's interesting i was reading that it was uh influenced by uh ingmar bergman's fanny and alexander which is about christmas and kind of begins with christmas and then has a middle christmas and an end christmas and then uh max von sydow was a you know a collaborator of ingmar bergman so that a little kind of nod to the influence right there by putting him in the movie and he's arguably my favorite part of this movie um oh he's great if we're going to do a top five or anything like that, definitely on my top five list. You know, it's uh, so weird. Like, and I was thinking about that when, uh, when the Bergman thing came up, you, what's that? you don't see P- 
people say that their film is influenced by a film that's 82, 83, 84, that's five years before this one. Because that film's from 82. This film is 86, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, that doesn't happen. But it used to happen all the time. That doesn't happen anymore where you're like, oh, I was really influenced by uh, a film that came out five <laughs> years ago. People would be like, you're copying this. <laughs> you know? Exactly, yeah. That's the, in today's culture, it would be considered more like copying than influenced um yeah no that's that's a good point i I also read he was like he read i always what how how do you pronounce is it anna karenina is that the pronunciation of the yeah yeah which is i believe so that's how i pronounce it then that that's similar there's a lot of uh that novel in a lot of woody allen's work i'll say that yes yeah no for sure and I, this film has so it got a lot of acclaim like you I mean before I think you said you know how it won three Oscars it was nominated for four others um it has a very European vibe to it in, in more ways than one like I think just even the look kind of the dialogue they definitely I mean Europeans have always and I know that's a very generalization uh, uh, but I'm talking French I'm talking German I'm talking Italian the Swedish Danish even English as well but just the the main ones right there of like countries that were really, you know have been making films for a long time they they touched on more taboo subjects than American filmmakers and the audiences also welcomed it as well like the the love affair that's going on just the fact of like you know like again just I I'm just referring to Danielle because she it was just fresh eyes on it she's like wait so now you know, I mean, first it's a flashback, but even then it's after his relationship with Hannah. She's like, wait, then Hannah even suggested that her husband go out with with Mickey? What? What? Like, it just, you know, she just doesn't, just didn't get it. And I'm saying I get it, but I'm just like, I just accept that those are the characters that they are and that's the world they live in. They're much more open and... Uh, lack of a better word, liberal with liberal, how they live. But also, and, and this goes to the European style as well, Kyle. I definitely agree with you. I, I guess incestual is a really bad word to use. But those upper class societies in Manhattan were very incestual and are very yeah. incestual. They know all the same people. So it's not that weird to recommend, maybe today it is, but especially at the time, not that weird to recommend your sister date someone. Also, <laughs> Hannah... Hannah is such a character who's a lot of people say she's phony, and I totally get that. But at least on paper, she tries to make everything work. One can say she's also very controlling. Does not surprise me one iota that she would suggest that her ex-husband date her falling apart sister. Because then she would still have a level of control over both of them. A level of control, and at the same time, it's kind of commenting as much as she's very supportive of so you know so um of so we've got hannah holly and lee Mm -hmm. um and you know holly is diane weist and while she is very you know financially supportive of her and i think supportive all around but um you know has this i'm assuming hannah's i don't know they ever say it she's the oldest does it go hannah holly lee it's not it's not that clear 
Yeah, it's not that clear. Okay, but uh, just for my sake, that's what where I'm putting I'm putting Hannah at the top age wise, just as like the eldest sister. Um, but definitely the most successful. The parents recognize that. I mean, they definitely are repetitive with it, talking that way with their children. And um, uh, but with Holly by saying, "Oh, my marriage failed with this guy, but you should try him." Absolutely, like, Absolutely. it's just such a little. Uh, it's it's the, the there's a passive aggressiveness in this movie that is just always there as well. That makes it as as you were saying, just like when watching it, it's not like you're supposed to be ho oh, 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 the whole time. It's awkward. It's cringeworthy. It's making you. It's covering a lot of the emotion spec emotional spectrum. Absolutely. This is not a movie that you, again, like, how can I put it? Like, if you're a husband and you're sitting with your wife and you've cheated on your wife and you're watching this movie with her, you're shaking inside. You're cringing, you know? <laughs> no, but, but anything, like, if you had immoral thoughts, you're thinking that way because it, it's real. It doesn't show, it shows the ugliness of humans. But it also shows, again, how bullshit they are. Hannah is a bullshitter. You know, Michael Caine's character, bullshitter. Max von Sydow with his, let me take on a younger woman and educate her and train yeah, let me, her. Let me keep teaching you. Gross. with you yet. Gross. Oh, God. It's, that man is just, is just uh, number one, just hulking. like him next to lee he's got the largest meat claws ever like uh, just giant head he is just uh, as as seeing him you know uh, having famously played a a scene with with death before it's just (laughs) like that i'm just always reminded of uh you know and i'm not saying this recognizing that he is now past himself but i'm just always reminded of death and this character too is just so uh just shrouded and he i mean what's one of one of the first things he says and again danielle had like an audible like uh reaction to it where he says like um you're you're like something along the lines of you're my only connection to the real world uh, absolutely just human human society like and she ugh, should say just... ugh. everyone says yeah. ugh at that no i'm serious <laughs> everyone says ugh at that moment and if you don't you're fucked up in the head too and i'm just saying it's great when it's like an audible like absolutely I, I was, whether i don't whether it's I, that i've seen the film before whether it's that i'm a man <laughs> I, yeah, I, but I, I don't. I, you'll never. You'd never do with this guy. I hope not. You'd never do with this. No, guy no, no, no. But I'm just saying. But just, I'm just saying the fact that she's watching it and going and do. She was verbalizing everything I was thinking. Is what, <laughs> what, Perfect. What I was leading to. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um. Yeah. Just with this film. I. I mean. I'm just gonna throw this out there right now as far as like the food stuff i recognize uh i said the catering which uh was it stannis kavinsky catering and this is also based off of woody allen knew two actresses that had a catering company i mean that's a very kind of popular i mean there was even that what was that show party down two seasons of is about all actors and writers in a catering company Hmm, um, I wonder. I wonder where they got that idea. No, it's just exactly like, because, like, out of work actors. This is what they write about. <laughs> yeah, uh, which uncredited Sam Waterson in this movie, Crazy. who's great, uh, frequent who's Woody great. Allen collaborator. I wonder why. Why uncredited? I have no idea. 
Him and, uh, oh god, I wrote it down. I should have wrote it on the first page. Help me out, his longtime buddy. Oh, uh, this, Tony Allen? Thank you. Tony Allen, also uncredited in this movie. But, um, we get a, uh, there's discussion of an AA meeting going on. Uh, we get with Sam, uh, Sam Watterson wine at the opera. Uh, we get when, uh, Woody Allen is considering converting to catholicism we get one of my favorite visual gags of all time he puts down the crucifix then the bible then a portrait of jesus and then some wonder white bread and a hellman's mayonnaise uh, <laughs> I love that. I love and then that. it's a little there's a little bit of a deep cut uh as far as a food reference but the marx brothers film that he's watching is duck soup so there you go duck soup yeah the reason he for living the reason for believing becomes duck soup yes <laughs> and so i mean as far as the the uh i i just felt like with a film like this i wanted to pay a little closer attention to maybe the food moments um besides these thanksgiving scenes and one thing i wanted to say earlier was when you brought up like uh a film like our idiot brother where there's, there's a few scenes where we get all of the sisters together and 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 this movie too, but it's it's Thanksgiving, and then they have lunch together. So what I really wanted to, just something I wanted to say, and films are making me realize more and more is just how important meals are just towards culture, to society, to friends, to family. And I mean, hey, that's what just look at what Thanksgiving is and why people are bummed out right now. And like, well, you know, like the, they want it to be a big get together and see as many people as possible. Because when in real life, you know, you don't get to see people all the time. And around the holidays, it's a great excuse to get people together and share stories and share a meal. And so that's something really special in real life and i think that is uh is great when that's shown in film and that's definitely something that's going on in this one as awkward as it is with with these characters for sure i mean food is so communal thanksgiving is so communal and i love that this movie is awkward and i love that it centers around thanksgiving your listeners out there i bet you a lot of them can attest that they don't have the easiest thanksgivings it can get awkward it can get weird and and that's totally fine. Like every, everything in movies don't have to be doesn't have to be perfect. You know, I think I really think that uh, the food in this movie is so representative of I don't know. Food just gives you a reason to meet someone, to speak with someone, especially when it comes to family, but also friends, right? Like, oh, let's grab a drink, let's go to lunch. It's never just like, oh, you want to meet in a park and talk. You know, that happens, sure. <laughs> but yeah, food, yeah. food is the catalyst to just continuing these relationships and we see it here for better or worse but it's the truth can i ask you uh, as far as thanksgiving goes or or i guess any large meal gatherings are you pro food on you know if you're at a big table i don't know how i don't know how you do it if everyone's just kind of like sitting around or if everyone's at one singular big table but are you a fan of all the food on the table or do you like kind of like a buffet like leave it on like the if there's like a kitchen island you make a plate and then you sit down around a big table let's be on let's be honest kyle i think probably 75 percent of people out there do the buffet style i think people who put it on the table i'm not criticizing them but if it's a smaller gathering okay 
But a lot of that is for show, for the picture. Yes. We see it more in movies and TV. But let's be honest. I mean, it's easier to buffet. Buffet makes so much more sense. And you're a feed the phone kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, sure, but like then you take a picture of the island, and then you can take a picture of your plate if that's what you like. I don't need the what's what's that famous painting uh, of the you know family sitting down at the holidays or whatever. I don't know. Uh, oh, Norman Rockwell, like a Norman. Rockwell. Yeah, there's Norman, right? Yeah, and um, it's funny. My my dad is always someone that's like, oh, let's put the food at the table while he does not cook. He does not like he does not participate in any of the labor that of preparing the meal and I'm just always like and my mom you know she, she's like oh, I don't want to argue with him I'm like dad we're going to put it on the island like buffet style it's better it's easier instead of like you know like especially these bigger uh meals where there's however many sides you're just passing around passing around passing around and you've got like the grandmother that can't hold up the heavy ass mashed potatoes like put it at the buffet. So I just wanted I I I needed a little bit of just like uh, validation. Validation. Thank <laughs> <you>. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Another reason why I love talking to you because not not that you will always give me validation. No, but I, I've will, been called will. an invalidator if anything. <laughs> and so shall it shall it say on your tombstone. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, and then one other kind of like Thanksgiving question I wanted to ask you: Do you, do you guys um, give thanks, or do you, do do you say grace or anything like that? Grace is always grace. said at my grandparents' house when we go there, which is usually what I do for Thanksgiving. Grace is always mm. said by my grandfather, usually in Spanish. Um, we don't really go around the table and say what we're thankful for, and not this year, but many years. There's just too many people. It would yeah. take you know, in a, an hour. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but we, we do say grace. Yes. Yeah. I th- I've said not, not every year is there uh, grace being said, but usually I have an, uh, I have an aunt grace present. So that maybe that's the stand in. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. That was, low, that was low, low fruit. Lowest of fruit. You don't even have um, an aunt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so yes okay let's 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 keep talking some Hannah sisters in the sense of just i mean how tremendous this cast is we've said some of them but um just even small roles by john Turturro, daniel stern uh julie uh uh kavner who um, who's the voice of marge simpson of marge course simpson exactly she's great uh yeah you've said carrie fisher barbara hershey uh, but I'll say Carrie Fisher a million times. Carrie Fisher is amazing. Rest in peace. Yes, and it's great. I mean, yes, rest in peace. Um, and and it's great. Well, I mean, I actually I, I didn't I didn't look it up, but I mean, when Harry Met Sally is right around this time too, right? I mean, maybe it's a little before or no, it's got to be. Right I think it's the same. The no, eighty nine. 89? Okay, well, so three years later, but it's just kind of interesting. I think I I feel like there's some similarities between her character in this and that just as far as the uh the romance and like the you know just how she ends up it's it's just an interesting way how she ends up with like her uh love interest in the movie i don't think she does she do they say in this movie if she marries sam watterson no they don't say uh they don't say yeah but yeah i mean she she's great at playing these kind of characters i mean this is something everyone knows there's princess leia of course they do i totally get why but 
you hit the nail on the head. Uh, very similar roles, very similar times. She's excellent in both of them. Trade out Sam Watterson for Bruno Kirby. I don't know, but <laughs> it's uh, it's certainly interesting. But she's she's just amazing. Yeah, and Woody Allen in this movie. I mean, definitely not the the lead. I mean, this is a true ensemble in the in the fact that I don't know if there's been rules changed in the uh, Academy Awards or in awards in general over the years, but the fact that Michael Caine and Mia Farrow both won best supporting respectively weast weast won best supporting oh i'm sorry yes we stein weast won uh, best supporting i think mia farrow might have been nominated as well i'm not sure huh i wonder if she was nominated for best actress or best supporting actress uh, okay let me see I'm but all... i mean but, but but i feel like in this movie i mean like there is no lead even though it's called hannah and her sisters yeah the, there's no true lead this is a true ensemble i was talking on my yeah. podcast and we were uh, I said, oh, I forgot what film we were talking about. And it was like, oh, this film's not an ensemble. And my guest was like, yeah, it is. Everyone's so great in it. And I didn't stop them, but I wanted to be like, that doesn't make it an ensemble if everyone was great in it. Like, if <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, there, there's, there's some, let's go Wes Anderson. There's some movies that are true ensembles. And then there's life aquatic where i mean it is bill murray in the lead in that absolutely movie. there's a clear like royal there. royal tenenbaums correct me if i'm wrong that i would say is ensemble yes for sure for sure that's a bit if you wanted to say that gene hackman is the lead sure you know he's the he's the glue he's the catalyst of it all but yeah but, but that, there's so many other storylines that that's a true ensemble to me um now Darjeeling Limited to me has three leads. That's not an ensemble. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. Yeah, you, you know, like, and I think that can happen. At, I don't think you could have ten leads. You know, <laughs> then it would be this film. <laughs> uh, and so Woody Allen in this movie, I mean, is playing very typical comedic hypochondriac Woody Allen character, and he's, I mean, he's nailing it. Um, I, I wrote down, you know, it's got one of my favorite lines of all time of, uh, that I, I will, you know, whenever Facebook pops it up in like, as a memory, I'll share it again, or I'll just write randomly. Uh, and Nietzsche with his theory of eternal recurrence, he said that the life we lived, we're going to live over, uh, live over again, the exact same way for eternity. Great. That means I'll have to sit through the ice capades again. It's just <laughs> great, yeah, <laughs> like that's that's line. that's a that's a line that I would you know say to anybody if they didn't know or understand more no because if they don't understand they're just not going to understand the comedy of Woody Allen like that is the perfect insight to For just sure. how you know his perspective on so many things and especially a movie like this and Manhattan and Annie Hall you know of course you have his earlier which I love slapstick of sleeper as I've got the sleeper uh 
landscape portrait behind me and and uh, bananas i mean you know like those are great just his evolution and then obviously leading to films that he's not starring in like uh great ones like match point and then while owen wilson is clearly i mean there's always like a woody allen character in pretty much every woody allen movie he might not be in it or playing it but uh i mean even michael Caine is dressing and looks like woody allen in this movie yeah yeah no and but He's not necessarily the Woody Allen. Like again, there's Woody Allen the person, and there's Woody Allen like the the character, and they yeah, they in are a different. Way he's everywhere, uh. <laughs> but they are different. Sometimes they're the same in the movies, but they are different in real life. Like Woody Allen doesn't behave like that character walking out and about on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. You know, like that's not him. That's a comic character he's created that he inserts in his films. Is it similar exactly. to him? Sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. But but like is he could could I imagine him going on a date and I'm gonna assume that looked like it was CBGB's that Holly takes him to and then afterwards that they're at the Carlisle and they're watching and he's just what what's the line he says something about like you don't deserve Cole Porter or something like that uh. yeah <laughs> by the way that band uh, that's playing at that rock club which I'm not it could be CBGB that wouldn't surprise me but I'm not sure um it's called the Thirty Nine Steps it's a canadian new wave band which they're really good oh so. very cool and uh well with uh, the new wave reference we should do a, a shout out to one of one of my uh favorite episodes you know podcast experience i should say i've ever had which was with our original podcast p.s i love hoffman and with our guest Amos Poe, who directed Philip Seymour Hoffman in his first feature film, Triple Bogey on a Par Five Hole, and he was a part of that scene, Lower East Side. Well, that was the, 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 no, the film movement. That was, was the, the no, no wave. wave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So no wave film movement right around the time of the new wave music movement. So Absolutely. just wanted to give a little shout out and plug because that truly was just one of my just favorite experiences ever. Just going, we For went sure. to, he taught a class at, uh, uh, right by Steiner studios in Brooklyn. And we went there and talked with him and guys, please listen to it. Cause it was just, he told some amazing stories. For sure. For I need sure. to see, I need to, I actually need to see if any of his films are food related. Cause I will just, <laughs> I will have him on for, for sure. Films. Just, uh, uh, but yeah. So, Woody Allen playing great Woody Allen in this movie. I, he always, you know, sets himself up to, I, I feel like as we're both people that talk about our, you know, potential dream jobs at any point in time, very high, high fidelity esque, uh, you know, he's he's playing a TV writer here. You know, in other movies, he plays a clarinet jazz musician. Yeah. And he's just, you know, puts himself into like a dream job of his. And he, I mean, yes and no. Um, I think he actually held these jobs and he hated oh, them. Oh, that's true. Okay. Oh, Famously. Interesting. For like, yeah, Sid, he worked for Sid Caesar's show. Oh, which, I mean, yeah. So many people work for Sid Caesar's. I think we've talked about this, right? Like, uh, Yes. No, now Buck, you're Buck Hen- Yeah. Buck Henry, uh, Mel Brooks, you know, uh, what's his name? Carl Reiner. All the people of the uh, of the Catskills summer <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jewish yeah, comedic scene. <laughs> exactly. And he hated his experience there. So I don't think this is the only film, right, that he he's like a TV writer or, you know what I mean? Like in, in that kind of yeah, way. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Let, let's look at let, uh, even then 
uh, Owen Wilson in Midnight in Paris talking about yes, how he'd rather example. be writing writing books in Paris versus just like this you know screenplays like even when um, oh, I forget the actress but the 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 mother in 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 that movie she's like oh blank and I was, I'm even forgetting the line but she goes something unforgettable he's like oh it sounds like one of my you know movies or whatever <laughs> yeah so, so this is always something. self-deprecating and just giving a just a real insight to yeah what 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 he's experienced yeah it's often something that he goes back to because he hated it like that's how he made his bones but he left it so that he could make his own movies and just have more control over his art control again is a big 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 thing in his films both on camera and off camera despite his directing style so it's not necessarily a dream job it's like almost what we all you and i would think it was a dream job but it's probably less cool than it, it than it seems and that's because of all these other factors that he loves to highlight like the john totoro little cameo you know complaining yeah the guy who's like drunk or high or something on quaaludes yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. No, actually, you know what? Like now I think about it, I mean, it's probably a cathartic experience for him, right? You know, you write it and you're just kind of taking little jabs at it. You're out of it now. You're clearly you're an Academy Award winning director, uh, you know, best picture winner, um, you know, top of your game. And so yeah. you have these little moments <laughs> where you're, uh, you know, just kind of. Yeah, just having these cathartic, you know, life moments of writing these characters. But then goes, you know, you could argue, obviously, a little too far sometimes. That's what I was just going to say. That's why I chuckled. You could say Woody Allen's whole career is a cathartic experience for him. You know, and some, yeah. some of his best... Uh, Joey, Mike, and I covered a film, two Charlize Theron Woody Allen films. She's cameos in both uh for mm-hmm. their uh charlice podcast and was it watch the throne i forgot the name for a second um and both of those were not great and woody allen has admitted that but whatever uh again the films that he loves that's also if you if you if you make a film a year probability is out yes there. that's one <laughs> but one of the bigger reasons i've always felt that a lot of the films are not great is that they get too personal like if the media is really coming down on him he'll make a film that's like a fuck you to the media and it's usually not good because it's oh that's that's interesting that's a yeah like a lot of his i haven't i haven't sorry. seen his last few like wonder wheel i have not either of... and that's totally yeah. fine um that's one yeah. thing i'll say as a, a woody allen uh I was about to say Woody Allen fan. A fan of Woody Allen's work. As a fan of Woody Allen's work, I was totally okay with him retiring at Midnight in Paris. Blue Jasmine, I really liked. He could have retired after that as well. But yeah, yeah. What's the uh, Neil Young thing? Like, Neil is it, is it better? Thing. Yeah, is it better to burn out or to fade away? Oh yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, always a good question to ask, and I don't know. I don't. Do we get the great films and have to suffer through all the bad Woody Allen films? Like, but is that the reason the great films come out? I don't know. So, so one other criticism, and I'll promise you, I'll be brief with it. One other criticism of Woody Allen that I actually think is a hundred percent valid that he's been allowed to fail more than anyone so that he he could succeed. Like when people have pointed this out, especially with women directors, usually when a woman director fails, even today, 
they're not allowed to do projects again. That just happens a lot. And it happens a lot with minority directors too. And the example they point out, well, that doesn't really happen with white guys, is Woody Allen. And you know what? I don't have an argument for that. Because he's failed I, so many times. You know? I, I, I ask this in like uh, lack there of like t- timeline knowledge. And, and so I'm sincere in asking this. Um, and not like defending him uh, kind of way. But the giving him these multiple uh you know times is this i mean these these are after th- this run of movies right there's there's failures before this for sure i mean if you want to okay. if you want to go through his no i'm just trying to like i'm i'm just trying to understand like in the mindset like obviously like once you have like one you know like you wrote a best picture winner like that gives you x amount of you know, you know what I'm saying? You get a little recharge. For white men, yes. Not necessarily for women. Okay, yeah, no, I mean that's no, that's that's very okay. Yeah, that's something obviously I mean I'm not I'm not I'm not thinking about that in general just because of even just, just not thinking about that because I'm not a filmmaker, I'm not making films. But I obviously I trust someone if you're if you're a anything other than a white male filmmaker and you're telling me that that's happening, yeah, I'm gonna believe you because I'm not in that world so how in, how in demand is Catherine bigelow right now you know like i'm not saying she's not but they don't treat her the same as they i mean we're in a better time now a lot more films are being directed by women but um again i love woody allen films i'm not criticizing him i'm happy they let him fail because it made some of my favorite films ever but it is an interesting critique that I totally understand when people say that, like how many times, like this guy had, he'll have six or seven years of of flops and movies that are not good. And then they'll keep letting him make movies until now, you know, basically now when he's shut down because of the way society's changed. And to that point, by the way, if you're going to get on me or you, Kyle, if you're going to get on us for liking this film and talking about this film, just just stuff it. I'm sorry. Put some some uh, stovetop stuffing in your mouth because that's <laughs> uh, time appropriate. Uh, uh, j- j- really quickly, Olivia Wilde. Put, did you read this in the Wikipedia? That she the- she put together a table read four years ago of Hannah and her sisters because it was one of her favorite films and she loved this film with Rose Byrne, Uma Thurman, Michael Sheen, Bobby Cannavale. Yes. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Maya Rudolph, Jason Sudeikis, and Justin Long. And it like sold out a theater in Hollywood. And I really respect Olivia Wilde. Booksmart was amazing. Booksmart is, you know, a feminist piece of art. Um, And I'm sure she's maybe embarrassed by that now. But you can't pretend that it inspired you four years ago and now it means nothing. I guess is my point. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, like, I mean, that's... uh, No, you're allowed to feel what you want to feel... You're allowed to argue for what you want to argue, but like, there's so if the, if this is the 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 hill you're, you you want to die on, saying that anyone that still even not not no one saying approves of Woody Allen, but likes a Woody Allen film is you know a guilty individual. Don't use a fucking cell phone because guess what? Some poor kid made that for you. So I'm just like, you know, like, don't wear it. You know, like, there's so many things out in the world. And that's not justifying what Woody Allen does. But all I'm saying is that, like, in this case, just as 
I, I will use the very generic of that you're you you you're using the phone, and as much as it has become a big part of our lives, it is not a diehard necessity. Neither is watching films. But guess what? I watch his films and they entertain me they make me a feel a certain way they don't they don't make me go i want to be like him i want to do bad things i'm not trying to emulate so um you know what like i um i'm sorry that certain people can't enjoy some you know his work anymore um that doesn't make you worse than me that's just you know this is what it is that's what you're you you're choosing that i'm choosing this Fair. That's fair. fine. Well, that's, well said. completely fine. Well said. And again, apologies for the Foodie Films fan if I am an- animated in this episode. <laughs> it's a tough <laughs> subject. It's a tough subject. Yeah, of course. Which, uh, which is yeah. what Thanksgiving is all about. Exactly. The struggle. <laughs> and this one more than ever. You know, you know, just, oh my God, just all the awkward Zooms that'll be happening this year. It was just, no, 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 no. That was just so good. Um, well, is there anything in particular about, I mean, there's so many great things in this film, just even to the levels of we get a young Richard Jenkins in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> to, uh, I mentioned Daniel Stern, but just, I love his interaction with Max von Sydow. So good. Are, are they, are they big? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my, at least top five favorite line of the film. And Max von Sydow is like, I don't sell art by the foot. <laughs> Because it's a fun concept to think about because guilty as charged, I've been like that. Hmm, this wall looks bare. I wonder what I could put on there, you know? Yeah, and I, I definitely want something in this color spectrum. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. but that's, that's, I mean, you know, that's why places like fucking Kirkland's and Home Goods exist. You know? <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so any, yeah, any, any particular, like, favorite moments or just look i could go on for two hours i'm not going to do that to your listeners this is a food-centric podcast um let me see in my notes quickly if there's anything i really wanted to mention i think i got a lot out so <laughs> um this was a cathartic process for me as it well. was yeah yeah let's see I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my little asterisks as well um no diane weiss did i mention i love diane weiss i'm not sure <laughs> yes, but you can never say it enough. Should we just um, talk about the birdcage for the rest of the podcast? Yes, please. <laughs> food. Honestly, that's a food food film. We'll, of course. We'll cover that. Of course. Guys, you heard it here. It's a food film. <laughs> uh, another, we sh- we contra- sh- another controversial film. That'll be our new take, Brian. Every one will be something that, like, in a P- in our newer PC. And that's not me saying, again, that's not me making fun of PC. That's not me making fun of the prog- uh, progress uh, the enlightenment that has happened in our world. But when it comes to movies, when it comes to comedy, any kind of art, I, I, I try to be a bit more understanding and open versus just about the actual situation that an individual has done. Yeah. Totally get it. Totally get it. Oh, I wanted to mention this. These, so he doesn't like this film. He doesn't, you know, really like Annie Hall, or he doesn't like Manhattan, he doesn't really like his classics. These are the six films that he's said in the past that are his favorite films that he's done. So This is Woody Allen. Woody Allen, sorry. Woody okay. Allen. Woody Allen, Woody Allen's films. Okay. Purple Rose of Cairo, which I love, F- filmed where close to where we grew up in Piermont, New York. Yeah. Uh, Match Point, which I also enjoy too. I know the British people don't like it because they said like it doesn't make sense 
for a British person, but that's okay. For, it's made for Americans, I suppose, and I like that one. <laughs> Bullets Over Broadway, which is hard to get. They made it into a play, which, unfortunately, I think the play would have done amazing. But And it was a great play. But unfortunately, no, I shouldn't say unfortunately, that, that sounds bad, but it was right when like the scandals were coming back. So I'll say unfortunately for the actors in it, but not unfortunately for Woody Allen. He's had enough success. But yeah, Bullets Over Broadway, great movie. That's an amazing movie. Z-Leg, which is pretty good. It's an interesting film. Husbands and Wives, which I've only seen once. A little, uh, little slow. And Vicky Cristina Barcelona, believe it or not. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't think those would be maybe the films that he thought were his best, but a lot of them are very good films. I mean, he, look, he's made so many great films, but he's made so many stinkers that, again, I've seen them all. I couldn't tell you the names of all his films off the top of, top of my head because so many of them are forgettable or bad or just self-indulgent. There's one, I think it was one I did on Joey's podcast. I think that's Celebrity. Where, like, where <laughs> Kenneth Branagh plays the Woody Allen character? Could you imagine that? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Not, yeah, I, there's a Will Ferrell self- one. There's, oh, there's a, what's it called? What's his name from Curb? Larry David one? Larry David, yeah, the one with uh, him and, uh, oh, God, what's her name? I always say it, Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel Wood? Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a... Not ugh, to Evan Rachel Wood, but ugh, to like that dynamic. Yeah, because uh, that came out. Was that the one after Midnight in Paris? No, after Midnight in Paris was like to Rome with Love. Yeah, which was pretty but, good. Uh, yeah, that's bit. There's a Jesse Eisenberg one. Um, that's the to Rome with. Love. Yeah, okay. Or, no, or there's another one. I think no, yeah, I'm thinking of no. There's another older studio one. Yes, that Jesse Eisenberg is in. Yeah, and there's a there's one. What actor was I going to say that I was like, what? Oh, Jason Biggs. There's one where Jason Biggs from American Pie plays the Woody Allen character. Oh, yeah. With Christina Ricci. With Christina Ricci. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But then there's like in, in there, and not that this is like a great one, but I remember like that's the time when like I w- was discovering Woody Allen. And so like then I was watching all of those when they got like released on DVD. And um, so as far as like watching a Woody Allen film of when it at the time of when it came out one of the first ones was Hollywood Ending which is still one as far as movies that I you know I, I we both enjoy movies about the movie making industry yeah which and, a lot uh, of his are yeah which a lot of his are but uh but that that one that was fun like you know he ends up becoming blind and it's just like it's pretty fun because it goes to some like physical and slapstick humor and stuff like that Taylor's in it it's not by any means like it's good at best but it's it's entertaining for um, sure i mean and there's some too like manhattan murder mystery is very good in my opinion mm-hmm. um like uh broadway danny rose is a film that is like some people love it some people hate it but there's films i can't even remember like as i'm flipping through my book right now of woody allen films like another woman is a film i don't know uh <laughs> september i can't really remember i also feel like half of his titles could be like the titles of like another movie of his well that's the pr- i don't want to say the problem but yeah kind of that's the problem with his catalog as well so many of his films are repeats of other films or they're they explore one element of another film in a different lens but it's not that different like there's his there's so many of them where again he's just angry at the press 
<laughs> it's weird. <laughs> uh, looking at my notes, I mean, I, I always love when he has, uh, you know, any moments, even per- particularly with any 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 character's parents, uh, but his parents in this movie, and when he's explaining that he's gonna, you know, maybe convert to Catholicism, and his dad, uh, you know, talking to him, and then just spe- specifically about like death, and he's like, "What? You know, like before I was alive, you know, I wasn't around, and once I'm dead, I'm dead. Like I won't be here. Just it's just such a as someone that festers so much on death, I love how he just writes because uh, I just have to assume, given all of his other writing that that's probably what his dad's perspective was. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You see it in a lot of stuff. Um, I, it like, um, I think it is at Annie Hall where the parents are fighting. It's like a similar dynamic. Yeah. And, um, and then, uh, oh, I just even, even when, when he's in the, you know, cause there's the chapters in this movie, the, the title cards, um, and so it's like a, the abyss and it's when he has a new, but it's like a new lease on life. Cause he finds out he doesn't have a cancer or tumor or whatever. And he's just explaining like to, uh, the, you know, uh, the Julie, uh, uh, Kavner role, uh, um, that character and saying like how he was going to like, you know, shoot himself or whatever. And the, you know, the, he was sweating so much, the bullet slipped and he's just like, and I just know I wouldn't be able to do it because then how devastated my parents would have to do it. So I would have had to shoot first. and It would just be this massacre. <laughs> and not to go into whole deep depressive, uh, thoughts of my life, but it's just like, I, I've had similar, similar like thought before of just like, you know, uh, with, uh, just, <laughs> I don't know where I'm necessarily going with this, but selfish thoughts of just uh, of of that realm. Point being, it was a line that I, I it made me <laughs> laugh, and I I uh, kind of self reflected with. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> um, why do I? I wrote down. Oh, one thing. I have a little question. So as as far as a a a, 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 a study of Woody Allen films, um. When he, when Mickey runs into Holly, he's walking along, sees her in the record store. Which, I just to touch on, um, I, look, the Woody Allen character is funny, it's great, but it is so redeemed to me that he actually ends up getting together with Holly, as unrealistic as some people might think that is. But we're seeing these two stories from these two so different people. But when they get together, it kind of starts to make sense. So Again, something that uh, Danielle verbally said. She was like, oh, that makes sense. Right? Like, and <laughs> so, She's like, they both like to talk. <laughs> that's what she said. So I'm like affirmed by, by her reaction there. So that's great. So sorry, continue in the record store. My question... Is it a cute, like, flirting the way he's saying, I don't know if you remember me, we went on this horrible date? Or is he being literal in that? Because it was, it's not like, to me, the way he was delivering it sounded much more like, much more genuine. Like, do you remember me? versus no he was definitely kidding trust me he was definitely okay yeah because i was just like because it was just took me out for, took me out of like the movie for a moment i'm like but that's yeah like wouldn't she be like yeah you're my brother-in-law like i, I don't know <laughs> it was <laughs> like it's just i figured that but just i don't know he's like i've heard him deliver lines like he's that just so before, dry and, and, you know and i yeah exactly but like it's yeah so it just took me out a little bit that i'm like 
yeah okay i just I, again i just needed like a little uh you know to be reaffirmed um i i have two things that uh yeah please that we didn't really mention i think we started to but we didn't finish um mentioning like the parents fighting like the mother being drunk in that one scene where she oh you know, yeah and she's like uh like she flirted with someone and the dad being angry about it they're both kind of airing their dirty laundry and their flaws as uncomfortable as that scene was i love it so much because at the beginning you could almost tell that hannah and the sisters feel the pressure to have you know almost as good of a marriage as their parents and just a loving big family like that but it's again it's oh because we're introduced to them as like singing at the peace playing she's singing like it's just like it is uh it goes it's it's a modern day norman rockwell for sure at least for sure and it's such a facade and it's again it's such bullshit they have problems too and i always make note of when movies show this because i think it's an uncomfortable thing for a lot of movies to show the truth that like one of the moments where you really grow up is when you realize that your parents are just human beings like you too you know they're just flawed individuals trying to make it in this world and you put your parents on a pedestal growing up but when you step back and realize that it's not not that they're all like these parents you know i'm not saying they're all that bad but, but, they're, <laughs> but they're just human beings and i love when movies show that because it's real but so many movies are afraid to cross that threshold maybe for the woody allen reason like or or even a, a reason that is highlighted here it probably gonna piss off the people who are close to you you know um yeah yeah but i loved seeing that because again it's so real that it made me feel very uncomfortable but in a good way and the other thing that I want to ask you about, so this movie ends with, with Diane Wiest and Woody Allen. They're together, and she says she's pregnant. But we've learned earlier that apparently Woody Allen, you know, he's... It's sterile. Yeah. Sterile, yes, yeah, sterile. Infertile. And was he not? Is she lying? Did she cheat on him? He seems happy. So... What gives here? But we also, just a little caveat to this, we also see that Hannah never has natural kids herself. Yeah. yeah. So what what what's your theory on this? Because I'm still kind of perplexed. Um, okay, so I mean, well she well, she does have those twins, right? Because that's she has his friends. Yeah, but they're with a friend okay, yeah, so I guess So they, she does she did give She's birth. not No, yeah, so she's not barren you know (laughs) yeah no so no it's i mean i don't know maybe maybe it's just life works in mysterious ways maybe they like they just his sperm her eggs just didn't connect and that was like life's way of saying like you guys aren't supposed to be together i don't know that's what i i I could look at in that sense i could also yeah for sure look at it as like yeah uh diane weiss holly holly cheated on him which would go in theme with the movie. Uh, it's possible. So there's a po- yeah, and and I, I I don't know. Like I mean, I guess I mean I, I I've never thought much about it before because then I'll go back to kind of what I said in the beginning of like this is just such a slice of this life right now that mm-hmm. while I mean it was also you know he, so he's thinks that he kind of uh, you know phoned it in gave it a happy ending i mean that's the studio requested that i mean this ended up being one of his highest grossing films of all time oh yeah this is whenever um, people studio- talk about his 
best films is always in the conversation, both yeah. critically um, and money-wise. So, yeah, so to me, this is just, like, this story is about those people right then. Like, it is pretty much happy. He doesn't, he doesn't give... He, he still, like, holds her at the end. He doesn't give, like, a look of, like, concern. No, he um, seems happy. A, like, surprised and then, like, happy. Like, whoa. But, like, kind of just already... I think he's, at least in that moment, then, like in it he uh with his new lease on life and everything like that and things are going uh very well with holly that also maybe if the story continued past there and we did find out that she wasn't faithful and like i could see that character going like well i still want to stay with you and i'll raise these kids as mine like you know there's just a multitude of i think options out there maybe um and this is for low-hanging fruit joke right here. Maybe uh, Michael Caine completed the turkey and had sex with all three sisters, and it's Michael Caine's oh God. kid. <laughs> a turkey is a bowling reference, food. Yes. If you don't know. Uh, getting all three. Or three, three, I'm sorry, three strikes in a row. Uh, which is my jokes. And uh, <laughs> Good night, everybody. Um, yes. So... <laughs> Where, Where to go, go from here? Yeah. Exactly. What re- I need a film for my redemption, or I need some uh, PR right now. PC, <laughs> anything. <laughs> Lifeline, uh, help. And so, I don't. I don't know how to help you. <laughs> I know this is. That's why I have you on, Brian. It's your show. It's me. your show. <laughs> you want me to like have like a what's it called in a, uh Now, why am I forgetting his name? Andy from Conan. Kaufman from Conan. Oh. Oh, from Conan? Andy oh, Richter. Richter. Yeah, yeah. Just like a, a stupid Andy Richter quip. Oh, I don't know, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is not something I would do. <laughs> uh, well, it, unless you have anything, I mean, like, I, I, I'm enjoying this conversation so much, but it, the career of Woody Allen, this film in general, uh, could go on about, but I, I, I feel I feel pretty good talking about it. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I think we covered what we can cover. We're not going to solve all Woody Allen's problems <laughs> in a podcast, especially not a food-centric <laughs> podcast. But, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I would, look, I would say if you haven't seen this movie, go watch this movie. But I don't know if I want to recommend it or I can recommend it. I don't know if someone in 2020 can watch this movie who's never seen it before and watch it with a clean slate and i don't know if they should watch it with a clean slate so it's not like a recommend film i'm glad i saw it i love this film i think it's a beautiful film but if you do see it for the first time now the thing you want to focus on is just the great performances from the actors like that is to me yeah think about the hard work they've put in yeah absolutely absolutely they put in a lot of hard work in this film a lot of people did um again for the billionth time, we'll both say this, that's not forgiving everything, but it is something I don't want to forget that, like, again, the star of the Selma Hannah is someone who's one of the accusers. If a you victim, say. yeah. A victim. So let's not forget her great work. And like I said, she deserves, since this is so much of her life, she deserves just as much credit as Woody Allen for this film. So, uh, you know. Mia Farrow, we salute you. We salute this cast. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that I love Diane Weist. I'm going to mention that again. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I guess, that's my final testament for now on Hannah and her sisters. 
guys, foodies, watch it on a Zoom with your family this Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Brian, before we recorded, I was just like, oh, what, what famous food scene... Do you want to talk or not? I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I don't really have, like, I have the name gut instinct for that round of questions. I don't really have a name for this part. So they're not all famous food scenes, but they're food scenes from non-food centric movies. And I gave you a few options and to, to go in with the spirit and the, the, what, what your podcast is all about high school slumber party, we decided. And of course, with this great holiday, that of Thanksgiving, which also, Hey, Thanksgiving talk about, it's a hot topic. Uh, you know what thanksgiving is all about where the origins of it all so this is just a very this is a hot topic episode foodies for sure Um, and my two cents about that is let's not you know ruin thanksgiving in terms of let's whatever we want it to be that's okay but i never went to my family's house to celebrate thanksgiving because of some fucking pilgrims you know like (laughs) I did it to remember what I was thankful for and, and just to experience that with my family, you know, and just exactly. have time, a good time with them, feasting on good food. Like that. A lot of the holidays have evolved from something else. C- clearly, Christmas isn't just about, you know, keeping the Christ in Christmas. Uh, so, yes, yeah, I, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, again, whatever. I totally understand the gripe, but I don't. When I'm sitting at the Thanksgiving table, I'm not celebrating pil- pilgrims. I don't. I never met a pilgrim. I don't care about pilgrims. You know, I care yeah. about the turkey in front of me. Well, let's then talk about the movie where a white woman adopts a black kid because he's good at sports. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> uh, the Blind Side. Uh, you know, just for 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 just because I, I I love your insight on stuff. Please. Tell tell the foodies out there right now because you're far better than I when it comes to sports. Just kind of like a brief synopsis of what The Blind Side is and obviously the author and all of that stuff. Well, Michael Lewis, a uh, famous author, he wrote Moneyball, which we've covered extensively on our other show, P.S. I Love Hoffman, the Philip Seymour Hoffman podcast. Uh, he also wrote The Big Short, which is another film. And he wrote The Blind Side. So The Blind Side is a film, Sandra Bullock, I think she won the Oscar for this, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Um, and it's, the book is about not just this story. So to compare the big short Moneyball and the blind side, the, they're all very similar books. They're about statistics and analysis and shortcomings in a particular field and how people overcame them, um, usually through, through statistics. So Moneyball is Billy Bean and how the Oakland A's overcame a low payroll to consistently be a winner, not win the World Series, unfortunately, but be a winner. And that film is like a lot of story, but also a lot of the the statistics play a big part of it. Now, The Big Short is the most statistical of all those, right? Like, yeah, because well, it goes into the whole banking and finance and real estate. So, and there's a story the- in it too, but there's so many of those cutaways with numbers and stuff, you know, explaining things. Yeah. So the blind side is the opposite of the big short. If Moneyball's in the in like the nice healthy yes. balance between the two, and the, the Venn big diagram, sh- yes, yeah. a big short is like the most like in your face numbers thing, which is very much like the book. The blind side just took the like the heartwarming, the hallmark, yeah, exactly the hallmark <laughs> story of the book. And the blind side is about literally. It's not supposed to be like I guess a little bit, but in football. 
the blind side is the side that the quarterback doesn't see. So statistically, when Lawrence Taylor of your of your beloved New York Giants, he's never done anything wrong. <laughs> when Lawrence Taylor started dominating the league in the eighties, this is when people figured out that. Oh my God, the most important position in football, yeah, it's the quarterback, yeah, it's these receivers, but the highest paid guy should be the guy who stands in front of the Lawrence Taylors and protects the most important position in football, which is, it is the quarterback, but, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the offensive lineman, whatever, again, if the quarterback's lefty or righty, it's different, but the, the blindside offensive lineman is often the second highest paid person on the team and is just, or in the top five. And it's just so important. And that's something they figured out over time. And the story also follows Michael Orr, which I don't think that's his character's name in the movie. But it follows Michael Orr, who basically was kind of an orphan from the wrong side of the tracks that this family um, somewhat adopted, I think unofficially. And he ends up going to Ole Miss and he ends up being like a top draft pick. But Michael Lewis just chose him kind of not at random, but kind of as like a case study we're like, let's see if this kid, he's you know really good at his job. This is his story. And he came from nothing. And he's going to go to the NFL and earn a million dollar, multi-million dollar contract for many years. And Michael Orr played for the Ravens. He won a Super Bowl. Um, but the movie is very popcorn-y. It's very much just the story of this kind of white savior-ish. Just yeah. the story of this family adopting him. Leanne so- Tui. And he, is, he plays Michael Orr. Okay, so he actually is called that. I wasn't sure yeah. if he like, changed his name. Now, it's funny, like, recently, I think in the last six months, Michael Orr has bashed the blind side. Like, he is not a fan. Like, he, ne- he never really talked about it in his career, but now that he's mm-hmm. retired, he's like, it's, it's it was just very unrealistic. And, and he still keeps in touch with the family. I don't think he, like, hates the family or anything like that. But yeah. again, it made it very popcorn-y. It does. I mean, it gets to a moment where, like, you know, Sandra Bullock all blonded out southern accent you know bell of the ball all that goes and confronts like gangsters in their (laughs) like in their hood and says i i and i like that's where i learned that a little gun that fits in your purse is called a saturday night special i'm like that's pretty badass but just the fact that that moment happens in the movie that she like threatens you know gangsters with a little pistol in her purse and just you know petite blonde white woman against a crowd of black guys like there you go that's what that movie is right there um <laughs> uh and so but but uh when when looking it up uh you know just I, I i was googling thanksgiving food scenes this was one of them that uh popped up and so this scene in particular is i believe like michael has just kind of moved into their house and it seems like their thanksgiving tradition is to sit around there. Obviously, they're big into football. Ole Miss, that's like the alma mater. I think that's where like the parents uh, met in the movie. Mm-hmm. That's where the daughter's going to go. And like, you know, it's very typical, like football player, cheerleader, that kind of stuff. Uh, so let's play this clip and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Hey! Whoa! What? But it's Thanksgiving. Wow. Why are we even in here? Shh. Shall we say grace? Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the many blessings on this family. We thank you for bringing us a new friend. And we ask that you look after us on this holiday season that we may never forget how very fortunate we are. Amen. 
Amen. So yeah, like I said, this is their family tradition. The what the, the they're kind of all the the twoies are all in the family room, living room. Football game is on. Michael is sitting at the dining room table by himself. She recognizes this and is just like, oh yeah, like I mean, yeah, that's that's fine that that's their family tradition. I don't know if that was necessarily you know Michael is just such a quiet character in this movie and keeps to himself. And he's having some alone time, but she's like, no, let's make this a more traditional sitting at the table. The five of us, the, you know, banquet, the Instagramable feed the phone uh, moment. Uh, I actually like this scene because it just really shows kind of how we take this family time for granted. You know, They're, Mm -hmm. they're, yeah, they're together. They're watching football. But when she like does that whole unplug movement and like, let's just sit at the table and, and eat like a family you know it, it's it's nice it, it's a nice sweet moment and i guess it just takes stock in like really what thanksgiving is all about and it should be about the family yes there's football in the background but you know i think you should have your moment where you sit at the table you eat your food and oh, spend, spend time with your family that's what yeah that i mean that's well I, I don't know i mean i know i remember from last year you saying how thanksgiving is your favorite i might have said at that point what i have a favorite one i probably said either christmas or fourth of july and while those are some of my favorites too like i I really don't have like one that is truly my favorite but one of the things that i do love about thanksgiving is that one is always like we're sitting around um you know a big table christmas could be a little bit more casual like we're sitting around like you know people are just sitting in different rooms of the house because it's also tends to be more people at least in my family at that party so it's not as you know everyone's around a table or a kid table what have you um but yeah that's that's something that i love i love the 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 you know the youngest member of the family he's like why are we eating in here <laughs> there's always <laughs> like just even looking at like the house that i for the most you know grew up in half of my life uh that my parents like built and what i think we uh from the age of 13 going on 14 like on that was my house and like it's a it's a big house i know you've you've been in it like there's half of my house i mean we're very fortunate my parents are you know worked hard but they've got a really nice big house half of the house is rarely used we've got a dining room a living room and then even like you know the little front room with the computer that like we rarely use (laughs) like when we eat in the dining room yeah like thanksgiving christmas that those are some of the few times so i i have that moment of like yeah like why are we eating in here like why are we using the good china <laughs> something that doesn't even exist anymore no one gets china anymore no, or china cabinets china cabinets <laughs> if they do it's like it's quirky it's like oh i'm using china like it's yeah. like, like a cup and, and china thing. cabinets are more like tchotchke cabinets now tchotchke, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, but this was just a nice little scene, quick scene. Um, and like I said, I, th- I think it's in the beginning of the film before Michael becomes more of the family. So it's just for, for as the moments that I, I, that I'm not such a big fan of. And uh, you're saying that Michael Orr isn't a fan of this movie. It, it has its uh, virtuous moments. And I, I think, uh, you know, like the character of I just said it before her first name, but uh you know, of Sandra Leanne, Bullock's character. Leanne. Yeah, Leanne. Leanne Tui. Like, her heart's in the right place for a majority of it. And she is questioned, like, why are you having this person living with you? Is it just to make your school a better football school? Everything that comes with it. And it seems like her heart's in the right place. At least, definitely in this scene. 
she just wants Michael to feel that their home is as much of you know, is as much his home as well now. For sure. And I think like uh just reading quickly while the scene was playing, the big criticism he had too was that they made him seem really dumb and he's like, I wasn't dumb, I just never really went to school. I mean it wasn't just like a big dumb guy because even in this scene that you just played he hardly talks you know he's more just yeah, like i oh. think that kind of comes with it maybe the inexperience of this actor i think he was kind of like they went with an inexperienced actor so i don't know if they were just like didn't have him also talk as much but i don't know who knows well uh brian this is your umpteenth time and you've got uh you're gonna be on foodie films again in the near future uh for 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 multiple episodes i know um i'll say it now you'll you'll you will be on the hundredth episode i won't say what the hundredth episode is gonna be but i know that for sure since we're nearing that this might be episode 96 so uh the foodies will be hearing you again soon but thank you very much for coming on foodie films and i i uh i will be i'll be seeing you before uh to be before thanksgiving but Happy Thanksgiving, I hope, to you and your family. Yes, you as well. Thank you, as always, for having me on. This is always a pleasure to be on Foodie Films. Always makes me very hungry, that's for sure. And uh, (laughs) by the way, you could also check the both of us out on P.S. I Love Hoffman, as I mentioned, our other uh, show that we do for Philip Seymour Hoffman. And, of course, you could check me out on my show, which, Kyle, you're on a ton as well. And you'll be on before the end of the year. We uh, We have an annual christmas song we need to do together which everyone knows oh i thought about that the other day and i thought about the hard time i was having last year oh boy it's probably Um, not going to be easier this year but we got to do it we got to power through uh but tradition yes check out my show where we will literally be singing the song tradition from fiddler on the roof (laughs) no we will not (laughs) but uh check out my other show high school slumber party where i talk about teen films and check that out of course on this podcast network, the Cage Club Podcast Network, or wherever you listen to podcasts, I guess. Yeah, guys, we're everywhere, taking over, and uh, and of course, you know, social media as well. You're you're just always at high school slumber party, yes. correct? Yes, yeah. that is correct. So, yeah, always uh, one of my favorite things. I you know because obviously is a show that has like kind of segments to it. I I love um, your option, which I didn't listen to. I, ne- I never listened to well. Well, I, what I've been on a few episodes with other guests, but those are few and far between. The point being, your segment of the you know pick a movie or pick you know if you're a solo guest, pick two movies to uh, for the sleepover. Yeah, uh, rent two uh, movies, get one free. Yes, rent two movies, get one free. And so the last time, the last episode that I was on was for election with uh, our friend Dan Kim. And we, we both had two movies in mind and you're like, no, you're supposed to each pick one, uh, <laughs> but it ended up being good. We are yeah, <laughs> ended up being good. So that's just always guys check it out. Cause then you, you post on Instagram. So it's, it's, it's fun to see the movies that your guests uh, pick as, you know, they're little, you know, if we're going to stay up all night and watch the movies. Uh, well, Brian, you, you know, the line. So if you wouldn't mind gracing uh, or, thanksing i was i was trying yes. to go for something there but thanksing. yeah the foodies with it yeah thanks <laughs> blessing the foodies with it there's always more to cut happy thanksgiving foodies yummy 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 i got love in my tummy and i feel like i'm loving you love you such a sweet thing good enough to
sweet 